Father, I thank you that you are here in our midst. I thank you that you are going to move today in our hearts. Lord, I ask, let your words sink deep. By the Holy Spirit, let there be a revelation that goes beyond what I say, Jesus, to be what you're saying to our hearts. Father, I ask that you would cause us to leave this place today with a greater measure of freedom and confidence. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, Amen. I want to read to you from Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 9. It says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What a powerful piece of scripture that affirms who we are as followers of Christ. I want to draw your attention particularly to verse 10, which says, live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. I want to tell us all today this one thing. We are not here to please people. We are living or meant to be living to please God. That is what we are here to do, to please God. And, you know, I know that pleasing people is not a bad thing. Like, you're like, Jillian, I, I, you know, are you saying forget about pleasing people, just do whatever I want, just live for me, be selfish, it's all about me and my calling God? No, not at all. We're here to serve, to love, to give, to be generous, to lay down our lives for our friends. We're not here to not please people, but the problem is that for us so often, it ends up out of balance. And pleasing people has become number one priority, and pleasing God is quite far down the list. You know, if you go out to a meal, hopefully now we're all back to eating out at restaurants and things and, and living the good life here in Wellington, so many cafes to choose from, hopefully they're all back open again. And, you know, you go out to the restaurant and you turn up there and you're like, you have a meal. Now, if it is a good restaurant, you know the difference immediately bad restaurant will just plonk your food down and you will never see them again. At a good restaurant, they'll come back and they'll say to you, is everything okay with your meal? Do you have everything you need? Are you happy with your meal? Why do they do that? Because they aim to please. They want you to be so pleased with their service that you become a repeat customer. They want you to come back. You see, pleasing people is not a bad thing. We're not trying to turn people off and and, and, and turn people away from us, but it needs to be in the right balance. Because the problem is that when we're pleasing people, we're gonna do things that we shouldn't do. We're gonna do things that God isn't requiring of us. You know, I, I wanna tell you a story that some of you will have heard, uh, but it bears repeating, I believe. 
about a moment in my life where I wanted to please my darling husband, John. Now, at the time, John was into road biking, into the lycra, mammals. And uh, everyone know what that is? Middle-aged men in lycra? He, he was a mammal. So it was a lot of people in our church, and still are, Tony Clark and others. And cycling, you know, when John is into something, everybody is into something. <laughs> and so we all got into cycling, and much to my absolute joy, guess what my Christmas present was that year? It was like John read my mind. Everything I'd ever dreamed of and ever wanted came to pass. For my Christmas present that year, I got a pink Pinarello road bike. Just what every girl ever wanted. So I had this bicycle and I was like, oh gee, John has dreams of us riding on country lanes and in our day off, stopping for brunch at a wee cafe while we jolly well go on our way on these bikes in our lycra. Yes, that dream has sailed. And <laughs> the Christmas present has been given away. <laughs> Regifted, I call it. Rehoming. <laughs> and anyway, I was very eager to please John, and I thought, well, how hard can it be? I'll give it a go. So, you know, I started doing some training runs, and I went up Whiteman's Valley, not too complicated, that part. And I just picked sort of gentle, gentle places to ride. And finally, I was getting up on the Ks, and John says to me, oh, Gillian, I think you're ready now to do the commute to Wellington City. I was like, great. We live in Porirua. It was a 32-kilometer ride. Now, for you in Hamilton, that sounds like nothing, nice and flat. You don't even know what a hill is in Hamilton. But here in Wellington, we know what a hill is, right? Can I get an amen? And 32 kilometers in Wellington is a lot worse than it sounds. So I said, okay, okay. And we were heading into the office, and that day we were preaching at a youth pastor summit. Great day to pick your first commute for. Yeah, just going to preach to all these strangers and youth pastors. No, it wasn't important, really. And so I was like, okay, okay. So I jump on the bike, and we head off to the office. And John's sitting off on a good pace. Those fine legs are pumping away. And... He's looking behind me, very chivalrous. How are you doing? You doing okay? Now, us women have mastered the art, and I had mastered the art of working hard but looking like I'm not. And I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine, no problem. Then we hit the first hill. Now, we got to the top of this hill. I was dying. I was like, I needed an asthma inhaler, and I don't even have asthma. I was like, this is bad, this is very bad. And John's like, don't worry, it's not far now. You're doing great, you're doing great. Like, that encouragement is going to really change things. So I'm like, okay, get back on the bike. So we went down to Johnsonville Shops. Now, you never want to be at the Johnsonville Shops at rush hour. It is a scary place to be. And on a road bike that day, it was tragic. There I am heading down Johnsonville Shops, as a, and I'm in black and yellow like a little bumblebee in my Arise cycling kit. Hard to miss, you would think. And this car pulls in right in front of me like they are an erratic driver. They are in a rush, and they do not care about the cyclists. And so they pulled in. I had to brake. I was going to go through their window. I had no choice but to brake. And in that moment, my only thought was, not my face not my face. And as I braked, and I began to be like, timber, and I'm falling, and I'm falling, and boy, it felt like a long way down. Suddenly, 
instead of the ground, these arms, these arms have got me out of the periphery of my vision. There had been a flash of red and yellow, and there I was, and I was like, these are not John's arms. <laughs> John has good legs. These arms are used to carrying boxes. These arms are, and I was quite flustered. I thought, I'm in the arms of a strange man. And I looked at him, and he was quite tall. And then he set me on my feet, and then suddenly, in a flash, he was gone again. I was like, this is the Lord's anointed. <laughs> New Zealand Career Post the most anointed postal service in New Zealand. From now on, New Zealand Courier Post is the only courier post that a rice church will use. I wasn't sure if it was a man or an angel, but I took it that day. And I was trembling. Not only had I nearly hit the car, been, I had been in the arms of another man. And I was like, I don't want to get back on the bike because anything could happen. And John's like, Oh, not far now, not long now, just, just get back on the bike. We're nearly there. We're in Johnsonville. <laughs> I don't really call that nearly at the city of Wellington, but I believed him. Fool I was. No. <laughs> so I got back on the bike, and of course, everyone here will know what comes after Johnsonville Shops. Naronga Gorge. Now, this is a steep, mountainous descent that nobody in their right mind should ever ride a bicycle down. The hill is always crumbling. There is always bits of gravel and hill on the footpath that you are meant to ride a bicycle on. As I am going down this hill, I am freaking out. I am so afraid that I start crying. The wind is hitting me in the face. Like, I'm telling you, it was like a hurricane. It was like a gale force that day, just to add to the excitement. And I'm like freaking out that I'm going to go off the bike under the wheels of a car because it's a motorway next to this like little track. So I'm crying and crying and it was like I could hear Coldplay. Tears are streaming down your face. But I was like, there are no lights guiding me home. We finally made it to the office. I did not make my preaching slot. But I want to say today, the things that we do to please others. You've done it. You know you've done it. You, you've been there. It's not just me, is it? Is it just me? No. You've done it yourself. You've done that. You, we do these things. And you know, God isn't even requiring it or expecting it. And we put these things upon ourselves because we want to please people. But actually, our primary pursuit is to be a God-pleaser. I, I want to read to you what Paul wrote because Paul understood that our primary goal, our chief pursuit, should be to please God. And he wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2.4, we are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. In Galatians 1.10, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. 
if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. It's, it's pretty black and white, isn't it? It's about getting our pursuit right. The pursuit, not of people's approval, but the pursuit of the pleasure of our God. You know, what happens to us if we're trying to please people over pleasing God? Well, the first thing that happens is that often, as I said, we're doing things that we really shouldn't be doing. We've ended up overloaded, saying yes to more things than we should. We often end up, you know, to be honest, if we're a people pleaser, close to burning out because we just find it hard to say no. And again, that's not a bad thing. We're here to serve. But sometimes there's a lack of boundaries and balance because we haven't got the primary pursuit right. The other thing that happens, and especially I want to speak to every teenager and every young adult, the other thing that happens when we decide that the pleasure of people matters, pleasing people matters, what happens is then we want to do what they're doing. Then we're willing to compromise our values and our beliefs. We're willing to fit in with the crowd because their approval and their acceptance matters more than God's. And that's where peer pressure comes in. It's not peer pressure. It's approval pressure. We're trying to be approved. We're trying to be accepted. We're trying to fit in. And because of that, our convictions are much more easily swayed. We don't want to be people that are trying to please everybody. We're, we're never going to win. <laughs> we're never going to win. But we have to win by pleasing God. And that is what we're called to do. You know, we, when we live to please God, we live in the freedom from expectation. We live in the freedom from the burden. You know, I think about Jesus, and John talks about this a lot, about how Mary and Joseph have left Jerusalem and they've left Jesus behind. And they suddenly discover they've lost God. I thought the Son of God was with you. I thought the Son of God was with you. And neither of them had the Son of God. So then they're tearing their hair out. I'm sure that Mary and Joseph exchanged a few uplifting words to each other. There was no blame. They were very holy. And in haste, they, re they go back to find Jesus. They search everywhere. When they find Jesus in the house of God, do you think they say to him, oh, Jesus, come here, darling. We're so happy that we've found you. We've only been searching for three days to find you. Oh, we're glad that you're here. You're safe. No. Mary would have been, Jesus, what do you think you've been doing? We've been looking for you everywhere. Your father and I are so cross with you. You've made us lose all this time. And you know what? Jesus just turns to his mother and he says, didn't you know? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you know that I'm living for the pleasure of my God? I'm not here to please you, mum. Not here to please you and live up to your expectation. I'm here first to please my father in heaven. And I believe that when we please God first, there's like this expectation that lifts off our lives of what other people think we should do, who other people think we should be, what we should look like, how we should behave. Suddenly we are free to be who God always intended us to be because we're pleasing him. You think about Noah. Oh, I love Noah. I want to ask you today, would Noah have built an ark if he was living to please people? Would he have built that ark if he was searching for the approval of the people that he lived among? You know, the Bible is quite clear that people weren't coming up to Noah and like, oh, Noah, oh, Noah, 
it's so good that you're building a boat, Noah. Oh, Noah, you're such a man of God. Noah, you've had a revelation from heaven. We think it's amazing that you're building this boat. The Bible is very clear that nobody was saying that. In fact, everybody, the Bible says, was mocking him, ridiculing him, tearing him down, doubting him. And in spite of what everybody else thought, he kept nail after nail. He kept building that boat. He built an ark where none of us would be here if Noah hadn't wanted to please God. Noah put pleasing God above people's approval. You know, they would have been mocking Noah. Noah, that boat's as big as your mama. <laughs> they would have thought of every insult. Noah, when your mama's in that boat, you ain't going nowhere, you're going to sink. I can imagine them. Every kind of slang, you name it. Poor Noah. He just blocked it out, blocked it out. Because when you're a God pleaser, you're willing to take risks. When you're a God pleaser, you're willing to look stupid. When you're a God pleaser, you're willing to go against culture. When you're a God pleaser, you don't uh, conform to society, you transform society. See, it was the God pleasers that were willing to stare in the face of lions. It was the God pleasers that were willing to go to the fiery furnace. It was the God pleasers that were willing to risk their lives being martyred for their faith, being sawed in half. It was the God pleasers that were willing to take the risks. You know, Rice Church, I believe that we are a church of God pleasers. And just like Noah, we're building arcs. Just like Noah, we're building arcs. You know, when we begin to launch campuses, it's not a given that it will work. Every time we put our faith together, we take a risk. We build together an ark. That's why this expansion offering is so precious because we actually take that offering and we buy the wood and we buy the nails and we build an ark that humanity might be saved. I want to tell us all, Arise Church, we're not here to conform. We're here to transform society and we're doing it together. It's amazing what we do when all of us decide we're going to be God pleasers. And thank you to every person who gave in the offering because you know what? You said, I'm not here to please myself. I'm not here to please people. I'm here to please God. You know, I, I want to say then like, hey, Jillian, you're saying I want to be a God pleaser. Then how do I become a God pleaser? Because it sounds like I should do that. <laughs> like, that, yeah, yeah, that, I want to be that. I want to be a God pleaser. Well, how am I going to do that? The Bible makes it really clear that there are two things that we do to be a God pleaser. And I love God because he doesn't make things complicated. We make things complicated, God makes them simple. You know, the Pharisees try to overcomplicate Jesus, like, guys, come on. It's not complicated. <laughs> and Jesus says to us, there are two things that we need to do to please God. And the first one is this, have faith in Jesus. Have faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. See, when we have faith, I want to tell us all today, the minute you have faith, you are immediately pleasing to God. So you might sit here today and be like, man, I, I don't really think my life is pleasing to God. If you have faith, you are pleasing to God. That is the number one thing that we come with, with that seed of faith, and it brings God great pleasure. The second thing that we need to do to be a God pleaser is this. Have a desire to please him. Have a desire to please him. Do you want to please him? 
Now look, when you want something, you're generally pretty good at getting it. When you want that new item of clothing, you're pretty good at getting it. When you want that steak, you're pretty good at getting it. When you want that new barbecue, you're pretty good at getting it. When you want to get to know someone, you're pretty good at getting it. What we want, we're often good at getting. And I believe that when we want God, we will go and get God. When we want to please God, our want and our desire will lead us in that direction. See, the right heart will bring the right fruit. And that was what that first passage said, that when we're pleasing Him, there will be an overflow of the fruitfulness because it's a right heart leading to the right actions, producing the right fruit. And that is a life that's pleasing to God. Simply have faith and desire to please Him. See, I love that because you know what? It's not like we have to get it right. Man, doesn't that lift it off your life? Like, oh, I've got I've to do this and this, and you know, God's only going to be pleased with me if I can tick these five boxes today. I've read my Bible this much. I've done this. Hello, Josh. I've done this. I've done that. He's only going to be pleased with me if I've done these things. No. Do you have a desire? Then eventually your actions will cause you to please him whether you were trying to or not. You see, the thing is, the problem is that we think that the way it works on earth is the way that it works in heaven. Now, here on earth, we have to earn approval. Here on earth, we have to earn acceptance. Here on earth, we have to fit in, be perfect. But the truth is, that's not what heaven is like. See, we don't earn approval, we receive approval. We don't have to strive to be accepted, we are accepted. See, Joyce Meyer says this amazing thing. She says, Christians are not called achievers. Christians are called believers. Oh, come on, somebody. You're not here to be an achiever. You're here to be a believer. Does that lift the weight off? You're not here to perform. You're not here to fit in. You're not here to be accepted. You are already accepted. You are already loved. You are already approved. You're already chosen. See, I want to read to you from Ephesians right now. I want to read this out. Ephesians 1.4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Even before he made the world, even before he made the world, God chose you. He decided in advance to adopt you. He decided in advance, before the world Hello, before the world was made, he had decided, I'm going to adopt you, I'm going to choose you, I'm going to approve of you, and it's going to give me great pleasure. See, we are God pleasers, and we don't have to strive, and we don't have to be perfect, because we can never be perfect, but when we believe through Jesus Christ, we become made perfect. We've been made holy through our belief in Jesus and our faith and our belief in Jesus is pleasing to God. Do you see? Do you see today that God is not saying, you have to strive to please me. 
just live with a pursuit towards me. Just live with a desire to come close to me. Everyone in Hamilton, we're not here just to live for ourselves. We're here to live for the pleasure of our God. And then when we do, it brings him such pleasure. You know, 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You know, God is pleased with us. And when we pursue him, he strengthens our heart to keep on going. He strengthens that pursuit. So we take out and we, we step out and we try to, try to please God, but then he strengthens that desire within us. Isn't that wonderful? You know, because the faith that we have, we can't even boast of. It's a gift of God. But the more that we decide we want to step into that, the more he'll give us that. We can pray for God to increase our faith. You know, when we see ourselves as approved by God, not needing approval, it changes everything. I, I want to tell you a story, and it's embarrassing. It's, it's really embarrassing, and it's really stupid. And you'll be like, why is she even telling us this? But I need to tell you it because it was real to me, and it changed me. I, I was in Excel Ministries many years ago, and we used to travel New Zealand and do performances. We went into high schools, and then on the Saturday night, we would do a show share the gospel with teenagers. Now, on the Saturday night of the show, I was getting ready in the dressing room, and I had on this cool dress, and then somebody had a beanie in the room, and they're like, oh, you should put this on. And so then I put it on, and I was like, oh, it's really cool, but, you know, I took it off, and I'm like, oh, but my hair looks really good without the beanie. And then I was like, okay, put it on, take it off. I couldn't decide. So then I went around every person in the dressing room that night. What do you think? Beanie on, beanie off? And do you know what? Every single person gave me a different answer. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think it looks good on. I look very cool. It's very current. But then when I take it off, my hair looks really good. And, and you know, that's, that's really important. And I was like putting it on, taking it off for over half an hour. And then I did a second round. What do you think? Beanie on, beanie off. Now at this point, my friend got so mad at me. She got angry, and I mean like angry. <laughs> she stormed up to me, and she said, Jillian, and she grabbed the beanie, I had it on at that time, off my head, ripped it out, probably a few pieces of hair by the roots. She ripped off the beanie, she threw it across the dressing room floor, and she said, Jillian, wear the beanie, don't wear the beanie, it doesn't matter, just decide. I was freaked out. I was confronted. But that went deeper than just her anger. It hit me that if I was going to spend my life trying to fit in, trying to seek approval, trying to be perfect, trying to fit into what everybody thought I should look like or I should be, that I was going to be done for, that I was going to be insecure, tossed by every current opinion, that I was going to be really quite weak, just go with the flow. And I would also just never have a deep personal security. And I was confronted by that. I was like, why am I like this? Why does what people think matter so much? Why do I care so much? Why can't I just decide? And that year, I made a decision. I needed to find out that my approval was not from the people around me, but from God. 
So that year was the first year that I read the entire Bible cover to cover. That year I sought out prayer ministry. I got the intercessors to pray for me. That year I read every book I could find on personal wholeness, security, putting my roots into Christ. That year I sought out everything I could do to become personally secure. And, and I want to tell you that I don't believe I would be doing what I'm doing, be the person I am now, if I hadn't had that journey of saying, you know what, I'm not here for the approval of people. I know that I'm approved by God. I know that He has adopted me. He has chosen me. Even before He made the world, it has given Him great pleasure to choose me. And in that deep-seated knowledge, the burden, you know, the heaviness, the never feeling settled in my own skin, it changed. And I became a different person. I became someone who could rejoice at other people's success, somebody who was less competitive. I'd like to say I was no longer competitive, but that wouldn't be true. My family would say I'm lying. Less competitive. My pride wasn't attached to winning. You know, you become a different person when you get into that place where you no longer long for approval or have a perfect life. You know, um, quite, a, quite a few years ago now, but still not that long ago, I stood at the back of this auditorium here at the Michael Fowler Center, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and obviously this is quite a public life, you understand. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Jillian, because I'd started to conform. I'd started to think about what people wanted from me. I'd started to change my behavior to be more acceptable. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and confronted me in a much more gentle way than my friend did. <laughs> he said, Jillian, will you still do what I ask, even when the spotlight's on you? You see, the truth is that, you know, you go somewhere and you speak or you minister or do something. You, you're not wanting people to not like what you did or to think you're an extreme yeller, you know, like you're so high-pitched and you screeched and you were you know, saying strange things or whatever. Like the stuff that goes through our minds, right? I'm not the only one. <laughs> the stuff that we think where we overanalyze. And I was like, wow, I've started to just tone down a little bit. I've started to maybe not take that risk because I'm worried about how I'll come across. I'm worried that people might think, oh man, she's just super spiro. What's she been doing? <laughs> and I was confronted by that. And it's made me say, you know what? No matter what, I want to do what God wants. I'm not here for the approval of people. I'm not here for the pleasure of people. I'm here to please God. And it's when we have that kind of desire that something shifts in us. You know, the other week, I was like, the Holy Spirit spoke to me about someone with arthritis, and I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to do that. Like, it's, you know, we're doing something else here in the service, and now I've got to do this, and I'm like, God, really? But I'm like, okay, God, will I do what, you, what you're saying when the spotlight's on me? Okay, God. And so I gave that word of knowledge, and you know, you, you do that and you don't really, like it's not ever like you feel comfortable, but you just believe, you have faith like every one of us. God asks us to do something, we step out and do it, we take that, that, that risk, I believe, every time. Even when we don't see the result, we are pleasing God. Every time we step out in faith and go beyond what we were comfortable with, we don't worry about anyone else's approval. But you know, just this week I got a text message and beautiful person, they text me and they said, hey Jillian, when you prayed that prayer for arthritis, they said, I technically don't have arthritis, but I decided to get into the slipstream of that prayer. 
She said, I reached out my hand, which had been in so much pain, it had been keeping me awake at night. And I asked that God would heal my hand. And she said, since that moment, my hand has got progressively better. And she said, I'm now sleeping through the night and it is mending at a rapid rate. Come on, somebody. Will you do what God asks, even when it's not conforming, even when it's not comfortable, even when everybody thinks you're strange? Will you choose to be a God pleaser, that we will go His way, we will pursue Him with everything that we have, that we can shake off the perceptions of people, we can shake off the need for approval, the need to be perfect, the need to be accepted because we know on the inside, I am accepted, I am adopted in the beloved. Christ has chosen me and I bring Him pleasure. Do you know that today? Not only are you to be a God pleaser, but you know what? You're bringing Him pleasure. That's the beautiful thing about pursuing God is it's never just about our desperation for Him, it's about His desperation for us. He's so desperate for us that he left heaven. Jesus left heaven out of his desperation for us. It's not a one-way pursuit. Oh, it's not a one-way pursuit. It's not just us. It's Jesus pursuing us. We bring him such joy. We bring him such pleasure. You know, I've shared some stories about my life, and some of them I, I pray they're silly, but I pray that they speak to you today. Because the truth is, we all have to make this choice. Will you do what God asks you to do? Even when you don't understand, even when you don't wanna let go, even when you think you can't do it, even when it messes with your plans, will you let go of the need of approval of people and step into the knowledge that you are approved by God? I wanna ask you today to see yourself as God sees you and that you are a God pleaser. If you have faith today, if you want to please him, then you are a God pleaser.